Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 20-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y music.net, also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, and most of the places you get your music online. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. Got an extra buck or two? You wouldn't mind tossing in the podcast tip jar? Please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Also, consider helping get the word on the street via social media, five-star rating and review, and or tell a friend or two. Happy Thought of the Day is by Neil Simon. I love living. I have some problems with my life, but living is the best thing they've come up with so far. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! I don't really care about the big time. Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 299. Please support this week's sponsors, ID Chrysler, Zombroda, and the B-Dale Club. Also, thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. My dad passed away this last Friday, July 1st. I can't thank everyone enough for all the love and support. Last week's Geeks Wrap-Up. Sunday played at Wilkins in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin for their 4th of July party. Great to see so many familiar faces. Jimbo, Donahue, Wink Family, Blaker, just to name a few. Upcoming shows. Friday, July 9th, 2021, I'll be playing at Volstead House in Egan, Minnesota from 7 to 10 p.m. Saturday, July 10th, I'll be playing at Eagle Lounge in Fox Creek, Wisconsin from 8 to 11 p.m. Guest this week. Is part one of three with Minnesota singer, songwriter, novelist, and music critic Dylan Hicks. We talk City Pages, Nashville, his new album, Accidental Birds, and more. Enjoy the conversation. Mr. Dylan Hicks, welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. How you doing there, Dylan? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me, Mark. Yes, Dylan found my house amongst the construction stuff here in St. Paul, and uh, we were going to do this podcast with Dylan at the B-Dale Club, a sponsor of this show, but I got a text from the bartender that there was a funeral going on today, and so we moved it to my house. So yeah. thank you, Dylan, for coming here and doing it. Uh, no problem, yeah. And do you want to talk about your GPS situation? <laughs> well, it's really, I guess, um, yeah, so the GPS um, feature on my phone gave out about a year ago, it w- or it was intermittent for quite a while, and I think the turning point was when I was trying to get to a physical therapy appointment. I'm not a young man, so <laughs> once in a while I find myself at a physical therapy appointment, and I was on my way to one. Uh, on traveling on 35 South and the, it gave out and I didn't really know where to go so eventually I just turned around and went home and you know called them but I still thought I don't want to buy a new phone my wife was like just buy a new phone I said, well they're like $700 you know like I, I, 
it still makes phone calls. Yeah. You know, so a year yes. later, I'm still, now I write down the, I go to MapQuest and I write down the directions on an old envelope. I have them on the passenger seat and I kind of, you know, refer to them. It's like, it's, it's basically, in my car, it's still 1998. That's outstanding. You know, that's how we toured in the 90s. We, we would have like these long, like the MapQuest printouts, you know. I remember that too, traveling around doing that, uh, the reading off maps and God knows, stopping at the gas station, how right. you get and where you're going to go. So if you live in Minneapolis, have you spent much time in St. Paul? Are you much of a St. Paul guy? Well, yeah. I mean, my family came here when I was 12 in 1983. I didn't explore St. Paul. You know, I had, a, I had a really formative experience in St. Paul when I was a teenager. I was sent uh, for three years to the what was then called the Twin Cities Institute for Talented Youth. Not to announce myself so quickly as a talented youth, but I guess <laughs> someone thought so. It was just the name of the program. I don't. It wasn't a rigorous, you know, selection process, but... It was an acting music and dance course, um, and uh, I just loved it because I, um, I, I really loved all the other kids in the in the group, and it was the teacher who was he was a full time teacher at Blake I think his name was John and he um, he was so good at leading us as teenagers but also using improvisation exercises to make us feel like we had created the show from scratch which in some ways we had but he had guided those improvisations and that sort of exploration so artfully that we kind of you know um we had a lot of ownership in the show while he was able to direct it and sort of you know oversee it anyway we would have the class in the morning lunch and then a lot of free time on the McAllister, at McAllister um, campus, you know, on their student union and the quadrangle and all that. And then I would just have to get home for dinner or if I had to, my work at Burger King, I'd have to leave a little earlier or whatever. But I had never had quite that much uh, freedom, you know, to get home on my own and to feel like a teenager. And I have all these vivid memories of like, Holding back the years is playing while we're just hanging out like college students in the in the student union. <laughs> That's hilarious, man. That is hilarious. Are you from Archie from Austin, Texas? Well, yeah, and that's in my bio. I was born in Austin, Texas. That's where my parents were living when I was born. Um, I don't have memories from from there. I was pre-memorial before we left. Um, yeah, I usually put it in there. It is accurate, and I also put it in there I, as my joke is that I put it in there to sort of um, bolster my. Uh, my southwestern credentials for the sort of country inflected tunes that I once in a while yes. uh, perform. Yeah. Uh, but we moved around a lot. My parents were divorced and then we moved, um, uh, and then my mother, they both got remarried eventually, but I've lived in Chicagoland and North Dakota quite a lot, a couple places in North Dakota and Idaho Falls, Idaho. And then we settled here when I was a teen. It's weird. We were talking about Nashville a little bit. Yeah. And but your song Winola, isn't that I like the Nashville? What was it? I think I have a buddy still in Nashville or something <laughs> like that. And I'll attempt to sing. I still know the guy in Nashville. He might find us in the slush pile, like a mitten in the spring. Write a name, song for me. Well, I'm trying to think. So the origin of that song really is that um, I uh, I was walking back from the grocery store to my house, and I kind of started to sing. Um, basically that horn line. 
Um, and so I thought, I kind of like that, you know. And so I, I plug it into my um, laptop, you know. I just, um, just using the, um, I just programmed it, you know, just so I'd have it there, you know. And, uh, um, and I thought I'm going to build a song around that, you know. And uh, so I just, so then I harmonized that melody and had a pretty simple chord progression. And it just felt kind of maybe a little bit like John Prine or something, you know. So um, I guess that the theme sort of suggested itself. And I think I, um, I, I just like this idea of write a name song, like, you know, a, a song that's, that's, you know, the title is a woman's name or a man's name. And, um, and then Wynola, which is a real name, not one you hear a whole lot, but it, it suggested a lot of rhymes, you know. For sure, man. Um, and then, as we just mentioned before, we were we were starting. Yeah, when I was younger, I always thought, oh, it would be fun to try to, um, you know, to try to write songs in Nashville or sort of be a behind-the-scenes person in Nashville because I do, I have a great respect for the sort of um, craftsmanship and the artistry of the um, all of the writers and players who work in the you know work in Nashville. Um, and you know, I didn't always think of myself as a natural superstar you know so i thought you know my, i love songwriting maybe it'd be fun for me to sort of be behind the scenes i never took the step of you know moving to nashville or reaching out to anyone who had power in nashville so it was a very back of the back of my mind kind of thing so i guess i thought the character in this song would be the sort of character who like has this very very vague connection i think i still know this guy i'm not sure if he still works i there. love that line <laughs> and i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> That's how I started on there too. Is oh, I know this guy. I think he still remembers me down there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're here talking with Dylan Hicks about his new album, Accidental Birds, mm -hmm. and uh, I just got that. Thanks for the link, and and I I've been listening to it for the last few days. I have some of my favorite songs on there. Um, I think it's like 15 songs on the record. Yeah, isn't it? it's a, it's a big record. It's the longest record I've ever made. Yeah. And what was so funny is that the I'm doing two podcasts today, and Aaron Cabbage, who's on the the album before, was talking about you. We were mm -hmm. talking about Minnesota playlists, and he was talking about this song, "The Road to Damascus," was your favorite on your recent uh, Munson Hicks uh, collaboration. So right. I thought that was kind yeah. of funny. So Dylan Hicks, a lot of your stuff, a lot of talk about you today. Yeah, yeah, well, that was uh, that was uh, really nice to hear, and I'm gonna have to look up his the new thing you were talking about. It sounds great. And, yeah, and yeah. so I remember you as a as a music critic in the City Pages. Yeah, and I still have a variety of collected all City Pages I was okay, in and yeah. stuff. So how did you uh, diving in? How did you get in that world? Yeah, well, let's see. Um, I'll try not to talk. I have a tendency to talk too long about my life. <laughs> I don't mind. It's a podcast. A lot of this is gorilla. A lot Whatever. of shower practice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, well, let's see. So I guess I sort of flipped the uh, paradigm because, you know, the cliche is that a, a, a music critic is a failed musician or a film critic is a failed filmmaker, this sort of thing, which I kind of resent having worked in both sides. But really, I, um, I wanted to be a music critic as a teenager. Get some 4x4 fun this summer with a 2021 Jeep Cherokee Trailhawk. Find your new SUV at ID Chrysler Zombroda. 
I still love my black Jeep Cherokee I got from Mighty Chrysler. With 250,000 miles, my old car was just too much for the poor thing to take. I found myself looking for my new dream ride at ID Chrysler, and the staff can be more help with me choosing a vehicle and willing to work with my, as I call it, musician's credit score. Their philosophy is simple, time-saving, hassle-free, fair price. Check out their inventory at SombrotaCDJR.com or take the beautiful drive down US 52 to 1900 Roscoe Avenue, Sombrota, Minnesota, to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 6 p.m., and Saturday, 9 to 5 p.m. Closed on Sundays. Check out Ivy Chrysler's Umbrota today and enjoy a safe summer season full of adventures and memories out in the open road in a new ride. And then started playing music. So as a musician, I was a failed music critic, you know. So I. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was when I was in my teens. Um, I I loved music. I listened to. I had my parents had hip taste in music, but I also would go to the library and I would read magazines and then I would read um, a lot of books, you know, music history and music criticism. I loved people like the rock, early rock critics like Bob Criscow and Lester Bangs and um, Grill Marcus. A few of those people I've gotten to know a little bit, which has been a real um, pleasure for me. And then some older jazz critics like Martin Williams. And then I started to see the Village Voice. They were running things by Greg Tate at the time and early pieces by Ann Powers. And I would just kind of soak it all in. And then City Pages, um, when I was a teenager, as well as the Twin Cities Reader, they did a lot of really great work. And so, like a woman here named Terry Sutton was uh, a, a favorite of mine. And so it was always, for me, part of this thing that I listened to music and I helped, I contextualized it by reading about it. And it was always kind of, they were those acts were always intertwined. But... I sort of fell into playing music and enjoyed that um, throughout my 20s. I did a little bit of freelance writing then or fanzine writing, but it wasn't something I took too seriously. As I approached 30, we were starting to think about having kids. That's my wife and me. And, um, and I, and, uh, you know, I, to be honest, I had not figured out a way to really professionalize my music, you know, and maybe if I had sort of reimagined how I could go about it, I could have, I was still relatively young, maybe I could have, you know, figured that out differently. But I was kind of disheartened, you know. I was like, I just can't seem to make money doing this, at least not doing the things I want to do. And I wasn't really a great support figure, you know. I'm not a chopsy player who can play in a lot of different bands as a side person, you know. So I went back to school and I started um, working as a journalist, as a freelance journalist. And that's sort of how that happened throughout my 30s. And it, it did pretty well for me. I was kind of the tail end of that era where you could still... You know, you could still kind of make a decent living as a freelance. And then I got hired at City Pages. How many years were you at City Pages? Well, it probably wasn't a great many altogether. I mean, maybe five, you know, four and a half. You know, I had different roles. I was a, I was a contributing writer, then a staff writer, then I was the senior arts editor, and then I was kind of back to being a contributing writer. I did write for them for longer than that, but I was probably only going into the office for about that period of time. And so when you're a music critic or hired as a music critic, what like qualifications are there? Like, let's say, um, how do you know? Is it like if you think it's good or mm -hmm. let's say if it was your buddy's band and the album is the shits, <laughs> but, but yeah. you can't say that. Like, what's how it's, it's interesting to yeah. me how a, a person would do that. Well, I was kind of a generalist. You know, I wrote I did write a fair amount about music. That was where I felt most comfortable most you know confident about my knowledge or whatever i also wrote about theater for a while i was just the first beat they put me on 
I was a little self-conscious because I didn't really go in with a lot of expertise. And I think that was revealed sometimes. Um, they liked my writing. And I think that was the first thing that, that drew me or drew them to me, you know, um, that wasn't, a, they're not terribly lucrative gigs, you know, and so they're always looking for a good, you know, a good stylist whose sensibility is sort of in line with theirs. Mm-hmm. As far as music and your, and directly to your question, if I had connections to the, to the act, I guess it depended on me. My question was always, I was trying to be pretty careful about conflict of interest. And my question was always, would I be willing to write about this artist in positively or negatively? Or would it impact our relationship? Do we have a friendship where, where it would really, it would be create, you know, um, tension in this friendship? In most cases, it really wasn't a matter of having a deep friendship. It was just being sort of acquainted on this scene. But if I felt that nonetheless... I'm affectionate toward this person, and I don't think I'd be able to write about it with absolute integrity. Then I would just see, can someone else handle this? You know, I might advocate for them, like, hey, I think they're making good work. If you're interested, you know, I'd love to run it as an editor. You know, that sort of thing. Sometimes I would just issue a disclaimer, and I would say, I am connected to this person in this capacity. This is the you know the nature of our relationship. You know, and but if it got to be that we were friends, then I would think that was. That was uh, too much. I mean, it is a relatively small music community, so there's bound to be some overlap. And then also during that time to try to militate against conflicts of interest, I just didn't play music really during that period so that I wasn't out in clubs, you know, um, competing for the same gigs or, you know, having talks with people after the show and stuff like that. Yeah. So... I used to be a fan of Ryan Adams, and I know he had a bad review once. He, it's a famous phone call. He called the Ed the, okay, the yeah. critic and left this ten minute promo, whatever. Yeah, you ever had those kind of experiences when you were criticizing or or talking about others' music in the paper? A little bit. Um, I mean, I had. Um, yeah, I mean, I on the theater beat, I had a few people. Um, I wrote a. Well, you know, on the theater beat, I. You had to write a lot of copy, and you had to do it all quickly. You know, you would you would see three shows over the weekend and then submit by Sunday night. I found that it was a lot was a lot based on the mood you know you were in. You know, I did obviously try to like, sorry, go in with you know um, an open mind and always be you know always hope to like everything. But there were times when oh, I maybe I wasn't in this wasn't for me, but also I wasn't in the best mood. I think there were a few times where I was just unfair to a piece. I probably should have held and at least seen it a second time. Also, I wasn't terribly young. I was in my early 30s, but I was a little more willing to just sort of, you know, let fly. And now as I'm older, if I'm, you know, I still do criticism once in a while. And I, I try to be a lot more gentle and diplomatic and, you know, have a, try to be a little bit authoritative and not... not um, not um, censor my feelings, but also I'm not really going for the sort of witty slam, you know? Yeah. So as far as music, I did feel, I, there was, oh, this group, and they're really popular, and I'll have to think their name. They're from the South, and, um, oh, gosh, Kings of Leon. So they weren't quite as popular then. This was the first record, and I know this was a week where I think I, I think I wrote like 5,000 words of copy in that week, you know, like I just was, I don't like, I just was, so every, like basically what I wrote was, you know, it didn't take much longer to, to write than it took to read. (laughs) (laughs) 
most of the time I wrote with quite a bit of care and I did try to do, you know, I was a pretty conscientious writer and, you know, but I think that was one of those weeks where I had to write a lot, you know, and I whipped this thing out and it kind of had some good li- good jokes in it and good lines and it did kind of reflect how I felt about the record, but probably with a little bit, it was amplified, you know, like, and anyway, I guess that the singer from Kings of Leon got angry on stage and... used my name and called me out and I, a few people mentioned that to me like you know like not in a violently threatening way just like that i you know i didn't understand the music or whatever i wasn't there at the show you know i wasn't really it wasn't really in my back um so a few things like like that and i would get angry letters sometimes too but that was the only time where a relatively celebrated figure sort of name checked me i think know. his name is caleb follow will because i followed kings leon yeah. for a tiny chunk of my yeah. life when I liked uh, their uh, "Sex Is on Fire" album, okay, yeah. I did see him. So I was wasn't paying much. I was kind of done with them by the time they came through to the city. So I didn't hear him rip on you. Okay, but uh, that's a good one. Well, they were quite young. <laughs> they were quite young and like energetic. And hey, you know, they certainly won the the, the Kings of Leon Dylan Hicks battle. <laughs> So, I, my hat is off. Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> I want to tell you about one of my favorite bars in the Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota area. The B Dale Club, located on the corner of Count Road B, and Dale's motto is a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun, and that is a fact. Rob, Emily, Natalie, Shelley, and the entire bar staff are all state-of-the-art cocktail artists. As of late, my libation of choice is the classic Greyhound cocktail, and they are to quote 16-time world champion Ric Flair, Tasty Little Devils. Save the date. B-Dale Club Barbecue Contest, August 7th. Live music, pool table, pool tabs, bingo, bocce ball tournaments, and much, much more. B-Dale's got it all. Stop by for a cold one soon. What were some of the artists during that time that you were around for them getting like popular or ones that stick out in your head? Yeah. Like, well, what's the, like a... Some ones that just like, wow, that was pretty cool. That yeah. was good. Oh, well, I mean, a number. It was... So I guess the I did cover music during that whole period and then into the latter part of the aughts. But there was a period from maybe late 2003 through mid-2005 where I was really intensely focused. And I was doing a fair amount of writing about music, but also editing a lot of the music coverage, which is fun because, you know, I get stuff from writers whose specialty was dance music or hip hop or um, anything, really. And so I would learn from them. And I would also try to listen to whatever they were reviewing because so that I... If, as an editor, you kind of want to know what they're talking about to see if it seems accurate or, you know, that kind of thing. But, um, well, one was M.I.A., you know, the uh, dance artist who is an English woman. Um, uh, and uh, she had her debut record at that time, which was get, which was kind of much anticipated. There was a message board called I Love Music um, that I would sometimes visit, and, and her singles were talked about long before the record came out. I really liked that record a lot, and and um, she came to the fine line around that time. And I found a woman um, who um, 
who was also of Sri Lankan origin, who uh, had written about it, um, a um, just non-professional, as an amateur, just as just writing for fun, but tracked her down and asked her if she could write the review. And uh, so she wasn't a music critic, but she had she really, really, really wrote a great piece. And I was proud of that because it was kind of like it was a different. Everybody was covering that album, but it was a different kind of piece. Yeah. You know, um, I loved Kanye West from the beginning. And um, those records, his first records came out when I was there. Um, so that meant a lot to me. I really um, for me, I was just blown away. Those records, those first five records of his are kind of like Prince's records are for me. They're just. Uh, they're just everything all all together, and I just love I love those records. Um, I liked um, a, for a lot of local, a lot of jazz stuff. I'm always, I'm always a big jazz fan. Um, Brad Meldow is one of my heroes as a pianist, and I got to cover him a little bit. Um, the Bad Plus, who are two of whom, uh, well, um, three of whom are all based in the Midwest. Two of whom in the Twin Cities: Dave King and, um, and uh, Reed Anderson, and then they're pianist ethan is from wisconsin so i followed them around and did a cover story on them and really liked their music and jason moran was another guy who was had been around for a while but he was making some exciting jazz stuff and oh and i liked speaking of nashville i really liked that was the beginning of the um, music mafia scene with big and rich and gresham williams and those people so um i try to i try to write a mix of um write and edit a mix of music that people um uh, maybe wouldn't know as much about maybe some lesser known jazz stuff or experimental music um, and then some very popular music you know whether it was Britney Spears or some really pop music and then also some music that was popular but maybe not hip to the Minneapolis sort of urban bohemian readership that City Pages might specialize in like a big and rich you know kind of challenge uh, taste that way and still give people a cool article about the shins or something that was kind of you know right in our wheelhouse did you ever get an assignment or something local or whatever? What type of music, if it would come across your desk, would just make you cringe? Like, I cannot review this. Well, I had a pretty luxurious position because I, you know, I was the music editor, but I wasn't, um, I was a little old to be on the club beat. So for a while, we kind of farmed that out to different people. I would do a little bit of it. And then Lindsay Thomas, who, um, um, she took over that. I think the title changed, but she took over that role later. But before that, she was doing a lot of the work in terms of going to the clubs and kind of following the Twin Cities music scene. Because I think you really need to be out there three, four nights a week. And, you know, and I had already had a kid and I was. Um, so um, I just I wouldn't cover something if I felt I was the wrong because I think that's an unfair way to review yeah. something. You know, I think you need to, you know, you need to understand the terms that, a, that an artist is working with and respect those terms and try to evaluate how, how they've, um, you know, the work they've done by their own, you know, terms. Now there can be terms that you can say are ill-conceived, but for me, like a blind spot is metal. I love the musicianship of a lot of great metal acts. Um, I love the heart, you know, these unusual harmonies and, and these, you know, the scales and just the energy and the, just the sheer physicality of like, what some of that music demands um so i have a great respect for it but as a listener i really love melody and harmony and i love groove and i love a lot of i love a lot of black music and i love a lot of folk music and i you know these are the things that i'm kind of 
that I'm drawn to, you know, and you kind of have to love what you love what you love and knows that's what it's it's always best to write about the stuff that that you love. And you know, you'll always find fault with the stuff you love and that can be interesting, but I always have more fun writing about the things that Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for new podcasts about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. Again, please support this week's sponsors, 45th Parallel Distillery, ID Chrysler, Zumbrota, and the B-Dale Club. This is also a listener-supported podcast, so if you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on this show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next well, time. Well, we moved out to the country because we got the land for cheap. From all my friends in Terre Haute, I ain't heard a peep. is howl at midnight. The church bells ring at noon. Cash or inspiration Gonna need one of them soon So how about you Pick up the banjo And I'll attempt to sing I still know a guy in Nashville He might find us in the slush pile Like a mitten in the spring Write a name, song for me Why no and I must have paid older. We'll be getting number 43. Write a name, song for me. Call the Wynola. Shakira's like Zola. Anyone who won't sing with me. Yeah, if it's broken, then I can fix it. But I can't make a buck. I guess no one likes the bumper stickers peeling off my truck. And yes, this shop is growing. But like a tree more than a week And in seven months If all goes well We're gonna have more mouths to feed So how about you Take up the mando And I'll pretend to sing I sort of know A guy in Nashville He might fish us from the slush pile Like a mitten in the spring Your voice comes out the home, Nicole.